0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: All right. Bang, 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 bang,
2: bang on. Good day. Oh, hello. <laughs> hello, fine, sir. How art thou today? That was a real
0: full stop, wasn't Good it? day. Good day.
2: What have you been doing today? you have been my chimney sweep. Been to the cobbler? <laughs> the candlestick maker? <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. What's going on with I'm you? I'm very highly strung. That's amazing. It's fine though. I just thought you'd just turned up off a street in Dickensian, in <laughs> England. Good day.
0: Maybe I have. Who knows what we're talking about on Bang On Mm.
2: this week. It does feel a bit chaotic and hectic though, doesn't it? In the world of art, life, music and stuff. A
0: lot of music this week though. Mm. Can we
2: talk about one of the biggest stories of the week, which is that
0: Björk is coming to Australia.
2: But only Perth. Only Perth. See, I was under the impression that she would be taking that tour elsewhere, but you're telling me it's an exclusive. It's a huge exclue. I feel like
0: this is well-deserved for many people in Perth who have gone for decades, hundreds of years, saying, what about us? Mm. And now the rest of Australia is like, what, what What? about us? Mm. Because Perth Festival has got the exclue for Björk's Cornucopia tour, and this is a, a massive coup If you don't know what Cornucopia is, I had to look it up myself because it premiered, I think, in New York over six nights in 2019. Bjork took it to a few select other cities, but it hasn't really toured many other places for obvious reasons. But it's this purpose-built stage that is going to be assembled in Langley Park in Perth. Wow! And it's a whole, of course, in true Bjork fashion, visual, sound, spectacular, purpose-built kind of tent um, where she's going to be performing a whole bunch of songs from Utopia but also from her new record, amazing. for Sorta,
2: amazing which is
0: all about mushrooms. Good to know. In every <laughs> sense of the word. Um, so the, I booked my flights. so I'm going to Perth going to, to Perth, see Björk. I, I literally booked them just before I came in today. Oh, my goodness.
2: Well, congratulations. Now, um, I probably missed out on those, didn't I? No, you'll be right. Yeah. It'll when is fun. it again? <laughs> <laughs> when is it? Next year? Yeah. That'll do. I'll be there. That's about as good as I can plan at the moment.
0: Festival, February, March. Beck's going to be here for a few
2: dates in March. Amazing, amazing. So that happened, which is very exciting. Taylor Swift released a record. She sure did. Midnight's. It came out, um, I assume it was midnight LA time, not ours, (laughs) but it was like three o'clock in the afternoon here in Australia a couple of days ago. And, of course, it went absolutely wild on the streaming services. I think it was the most downloaded Album and listened to in its entirety than of any album ever in the history of downloads probably, and it's already sold a million actual physical copies of the vinyl record. And a million, a million already, only in a couple of days. And I must admit, I really love the artwork around this album. Yeah, like good it, artwork. It's got a beautiful '70s motel vibe uh, and flick lighter, absolutely. And I just think it looks gorgeous, as far as I can tell. Um, Content-wise, though, got to say, not as, as excited as perhaps I could be. Yeah. I think it's, um, yeah. Are you a Swifty, though? I'm not really, I must admit. Yeah. I, I love her stuff and I think it's, uh, when I hear it, I think it's quite brilliant. And I do enjoy her work, but I'm not a mad fan by any stretch. And I, I just feel like this stuff kind of sounds pretty Swifty. Yeah. To be honest, that's not a great review, really, is it?
0: <laughs> No, I'm the same. And uh, if the Swifties are going to come for me, that's fine. I get it. I'm not like one of you. That's fine. I, I, I did like
2: Folklore quite a lot. Folklore was beautiful.
0: Um, But this is kind of like, oh, yeah, this is a Taylor Swift record. And that's, you mm. know, that's that's fine That's a, if you're a fan. I can't help but notice that it does sound quite similar to what we thought it may sound like when Abby Butler, um, w- one of our colleagues yes. at, at Triple J, uh, posted this on TikTok a few weeks ago. This is my impression of the new Taylor Swift album. Just the whole thing. Yeah, because it's midnight and we're turning out the lights. If there's no rhyme with midnight and lights. There is actually a bit of that vibe going on on the record. So she nailed it. She nailed it. That was great. (laughs) Brilliant. But yes, uh, RIP anybody who wants to release vinyl in the next six months because Taylor Swift has uh, taken over all of the vinyl pressing plants in the world to make sure that midnight, it's uh, one million copies that have been ordered are going to be going out to everyone. As of today. Yeah.
2: Uh, did you hear that Beyonce is going to possibly tour the world as well? Well, we love this. Beyonce <laughs> did not announce that she was on tour. In fact, again, it goes down to a mistake that was made <laughs> by her mother who was organising a charity fashion fundraiser ball thing. fundraiser yeah. thing and announced that there would be two tickets to Beyonce's latest tour and accommodation and flights to the value of $20,000 would First be class. on offer. Yeah. In, when was it? Next 2023. year? 2023. 2023. <laughs> Good on your Mum. Tina! <laughs> I love a bit of parental mucking up of plans because you have to tell your mum about stuff and you say, please, Mum, don't, just don't say anything. Or if you do, be really careful about what you what you promise or what you, uh, you know, who you tell. Yeah. Even though it doesn't necessarily, you, you don't think they're going to be moving in the same circles, but Tina's obviously gone and done it again and made a huge mistake by saying, oh, well, Beyonce's my daughter. Of course I can get you some tickets. This would be great.
0: (laughs) I also love that, like, you think about the visual marketing of what Beyonce does and how perfect it is and the way that people find this is they do a screenshot of what is, like, basically a projector screen in a room. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Beyonce on the horse oh, from Renaissance, and then just like some shit text next to it: two flights, <laughs> tickets to re- Renaissance World Tour in twenty twenty three, accommodation. It's just like it's all there. It's, it's all there. So That's good. the announce
2: that she's going out on tour. It's so good. It's almost actually. It's almost yeah, too good. I feel like maybe <laughs> she planned it. This is the best way to announce the tour because it's the absolute opposite of exactly how she would do it.
0: We don't have any details. We don't know whether that includes Australia because as we've learned in many years past, world tour often means America and Europe Yeah, in many Americans' minds. Um, but we'll hopefully... Keep our fingers crossed that Beyonce's coming to Australia. she'll be here. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. I think the last time we saw her was 2009
2: or 10. I was there.
0: Yeah, it's been at least 10 years. Mm. I saw her in the UK when she
2: did the On The Run tour with Jay-Z. That was amazing. I spent a
0: whole – did you go to that as well?
2: Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) No, No. I went to Jay-Z and Kanye.
0: Oh, yeah, that was good too, the Watch the Throne tour. So, yeah, I will travel for Beyonce, even to London, um, and hopefully she's going to come to Australia. And the other thing, breaking news, it's been about six years, but in the next day we're going to hear new music from Rihanna. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: That's the song, 10 seconds. Sounds quite religious. (laughs) That's a bit of the song. Yeah, do you think she's gone all, you know, conservative?
0: No, no. <laughs> no, well, here's the context for the song. It's going to be on the Black Panther soundtrack. It's going to be called Lift Me Up.
2: The oh, soundtrack- maybe she has, you know. Maybe she's, you know, now that she's you a parent. You raise me up. It could be, This could be like her, uh, her serious moment. I think it's going to be a tribute
0: partially to the late Chadwick Boseman, which is probably why it's got that heavy weight to it. Yep. The song was co-written by a Nigerian singer by the name of Thames and she said in writing this that she wanted to write something that portrays a warm embrace from all the people I've lost in my life. I tried to imagine what it would feel like if I could sing to them now and express how much I miss them. Rihanna has been a huge inspiration to me so hearing her convey this song is a great honour. So it's been co-written with Thames. Rihanna's singing on it, first new music in six years. She's been busy just ruling the world with her Fenty brand Mm. and now she's back behind
2: the mic and um, oh, there is some frothing going on. Oh yeah, there's some some great stuff on the way. It feels like not only are we back in terms of life being just normal and doing lots of things, all the great artists are back as well and they're just filling our pot and I love that.
0: One artist that's been more and more not back or at least being taken away from various collaborations, associations and being taken off Twitter as well mm. is Kanye. We haven't spoken about Ye for a while, which is what he's now known as. And mm. I think it's because it's been a little bit of a mess. It's been a bit tricky in terms of discussions around what he's talking about, the knowledge of his bipolar disorder. But I feel like it's time to talk about what's been happening with Ye because it's a deafening cry in terms of... Some of the really offensive
2: um, hate speech that he's been spouting in the Mm. last particularly couple of weeks, right? Anti-Semitic hate speech predominantly. Yeah. And a lot of the brands that he has aligned himself with have now turned around in this last week and basically cut ties completely. It took Adidas a couple of days to cut ties with him, but they have now done so. And it's interesting, that's the bare minimum, you know, like, it took them that long to kind of go, that's not okay. Like, they're, they're always, to me, it's always just thinking about the bottom line, mm. the making of the money. It's like, oh, how long can we hang on to somebody who's obviously spouting hate speech? Balenciaga cut ties. Uh, Vogue, Anna Wintour have said no. He's been dropped by his talent agency. He's been dropped by the lawyer who's been defending him. The documentary that was about him has been shelved. So, a lot of these things are happening. Stadium shows are being cancelled. Record label Def Jam have dropped him. That's
0: correct. So, these anti Semitic comments also follow on from what we saw during, I think it was Paris Fashion Week, when he had his White Lives Matter t shirts um, and spoke about, also in recent times, slavery being a choice. This is a you know, a, a growing cry of hate speech, um, and I think that it's taken a little bit too long for people to take action, in particularly in terms of his business partners. And a lot of people have a lot of opinions around this, but I did read an interesting piece in the last day from Emma Brocks in The Guardian, who basically asked in her piece, you know, why has he been able to air these views mm. for so long? And she sort of talked about his actions as being lifted straight out of Trump's playbook of of chaos, mm. which I thought was pretty spot on. And also made a very, what she said, quite obvious point, which was, you know, when Britney Spears, who's also had publicly documented mental health struggles, when she shaved her head and told the paparazzi to do one, she was placed under an involuntary conservatorship for 13 years, and these spirals that various people have. And other, you know, public figures have, often depending on whether you're a man or a woman, you're treated in a different way. That was one of the points she sort of made. Mm. I'm not sure whether I totally agree with that. I think it can be a bit reductive because all of these have so many different things and different contexts. Yeah, each, and different each situation details. is different. Yeah, But that rehabilitation of... The rehabilitation of men and the hope that men can bounce back yeah. seems to be a bit more forgiving than than that of women. That we love a meltdown story, but we, we're we much more up for a public rehabilitation of, of men than women, mm. at least in history's case, in, in the way that we've done it before. Um, but we talk often about Kanye's mental health struggles that we talk about the loss of his mother, but these losses and these mental health struggles have been experienced by other people in different ways Hmm. in history's past and we haven't had the same sort of empathy or kindness to to other people. I'm not sure whether I totally agree with this article, but I thought it was an interesting editorial that, that Emma wrote. And certainly that just the way that it's gone on and on for so long and He's been able to have, particularly on Twitter, such a massive platform. Mm. Just seems like it's taken a little bit too long to sort of kick into gear, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think also, too, people, are, we human beings are terrible. We love to watch a public meltdown, it seems. When all that stuff was going on on Twitter about his family and about Kim, like we were kind of watching in, on the sidelines. Mm. And even though you know you can say that oh, this is bad and this is dangerous, it was still happening, and we were still watching mm. so I think we you know in a to a certain degree we're still part of the whole thing, as much as Adidas should have done something way earlier, as much as all of them should have done something way earlier in terms of condemning his speech, so should we mm.
0: And there is a big part of Kanye as well, regardless of his mental health issues, that is about ego. It's about feeding that ego. Mm. It's about getting that response. And as as long as there is an audience and there are supporters, of which Mm. there are many, Mm. who comment and don't have any issue with some of the vile stuff that he says, Mm. they stand up and, and support him. As long as he sees
2: that, he'll keep on doing it right. He'll keep on using that platform. Yeah. Well, it looks like he's going to buy Signal, one of the other encrypted platforms, in order to be able to have his voice heard again, which I think is just more of a hole that he's digging. And it makes me really sad, you know. His, his voice was used at one point to affect change. Mm. You know, remember George Bush doesn't care about black people after Katrina, the flooding of Katrina. He used his voice for change. And now I'm not sure what that voice is or what what the purpose of that voice is other than to send us backwards. And that makes me so sad. Mm.
0: Very sad to see the loss and the sudden loss of Leslie Jordan this week. An actor who I think a lot of people got to know through Will and Grace, but also through lockdown, put up a whole bunch of really funny videos. Um, and was particularly a hero in, in the queer community and sadly had a, a medical emergency. It sounds like he might have had a heart attack while and, he was driving and, while he was
2: driving and, and died suddenly. Yeah. Um, God, he was funny. He was so funny and he was just the company we needed in lockdown. He was just having a nice time and wanting to share who he was and, and some stories about things that were happening to him. And one of, one of my favourites was when he... He did a response or a reaction video to Cardi B's WAP when it came out. My goodness, I've never heard the term every trash can has its lid to describe people finding their people. I love it. I loved it. Not that I think Cardi B is trash, and I don't think he was implying that, but he had a beautiful southern accent. Yeah, uh, He was a friend of Dolly Parton's, of course. I saw her posting about him. She was really him. sad yeah. that, that he died too soon. And I think he just had a wonderful turn of phrase and an extraordinary sense of humour that comes from quite often um, existing as an outsider in a, in a community where you, you can't live an honest life yeah. in that he was gay in a very conservative southern American city.
0: Yeah, and I think that also he was particularly not just a hero to the queer community, but specifically, as you say, to to Southerners. Mm. Uh, anybody who watched RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars, yeah, um, the incredible Trinity, the Tuck did Leslie Jordan for uh, Snatch Game, great uh, one of the greatest Snatch Games in the history of Drag Race, and uh, Trinity's Leslie Jordan was amazing. So if you <laughs> saw that and went, "Oh, that's Leslie Jordan," um, and you weren't so across Leslie Jordan's work, you can still see. Um, his Instagram, it's, it's still open. There's Aww. been a post that's, you know, reflected on his life, but they've kept it open and all those beautiful videos for you to celebrate and visit or revisit uh, are up there right now. Gorgeous. The other thing that on the screen was really big news this week was that the Crown, as in the Netflix show, not the actual monarchy, mm. Very clear to make that delineation for anybody who thinks that The Crown is a documentary. It's a fictional series. And season five is coming. The trailer dropped.
2: Oh, I am frothing for this. You know I love The Crown. It looks amazing and it covers, of course, the very controversial period, the Princess Diana period of The Crown. And I must admit watching this and then seeing the Queen as being acted... As the Queen. Um, who plays the Queen? I can't even tell by the makeup. Staunton. Oh, that's
0: it. Who plays, if you don't know who she is, she's Dolores Umbridge in the Harry Potter films among many, many others. Of other course. You know her when
2: you saw her. Of course. Um, yeah, well, when she presents as the Queen, I, I went, oh, oh, that's right. We've lost the Queen. And it was a bit.
0: Oh, I thought you meant Olivia Coleman. You mean the actual queen?
2: Oh no, 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 yeah, 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 the actual (laughs) queen. Like, does does it? I'm not sure. Is this series going to feel different now the queen has is no longer with us? I think people will
0: react to it differently only because people really do think about this show as these are the events that mm. happened which you've got to remember when it's you're watching it's like who was in this room when this was happening they don't know that that happened yeah. you know it's very much a drama based on, on real events and those real events are usually very public events which mm. they scatter so beautifully throughout the show but everything else is a fictionalised account of course um, but I do think that people do connect with this series in such a strong way because it does have such incredibly high production values and you feel like you're inside this world that everyone's so desperate to understand mm. it is um, so compelling for so many people, whether you are a monarchist or not, mm. to understand the royal family. I think also particularly that you know that focus on the events of the 90s, and particularly that year of 1992, which was um, famously referred to as the Annus Horribilis, mm. uh, where everything was going to shit. Um, three royal marriages collapsing, including Charles and Diana. There was a fire at Windsor Castle. There was a whole bunch of things going on. If you haven't seen the trailer, here's a little taster of
1: it. <laughs> in light of the events of the last 12 months, perhaps I have more to reflect on than most.
0: The royal family is in genuine crisis. Have
2: royal scandals damaged the country's reputation? The House of Windsor should be binding the nation together, setting an example of idealised family life. A situation that cannot help but affect the stability of the country. Did she really have more to reflect on than someone else? Was that really the words that she used in that Anna's Horribilis speech? Because I'm thinking, yes, you do love, but you've got a lot of money to fix that castle <laughs> that burnt down. You're not that concerned about your finances, so I don't think you do have more to reflect on You're than somebody tax. else. You don't pay any tax. And, you know, there's marriage breakups in life in all families. You'll be okay. You'll get through this. I didn't realize she said that. They, because I imagine they've used the specific words of the speech. But
0: you never know because it's a fictionalized it account. Might not, We've yeah. got to Google it. I could have see? Been
2: sucked in with that. I'm
0: looking forward to once again watching The Crown with my phone in my hand on Wikipedia, which is what I always yeah. do. It's just like, who are these people? What is this event? Did this actually happen? Mm. I think the Kika will be that we're now watching something that's way more in our wheelhouse. Whereas the very early series of The Crown, we're watching. You know Elizabeth uh, be coronated in the sort of you know period of 1940s, 1950s, and 60s, a period before we were born. So this is very much like I remember that. I remember this period in the 90s. I remember all of the scandals. Mm. Um, and we're going to see an Australian play Diana Elizabeth De Becky, which she is looks rather extraordinary in this ago. role. Yeah, she just looked really, really good. Yeah. She yeah. really inhabits the role. And Dominic West as Prince Charles, mm. um, who you would know from The Wire, among other things. Really great uh, British actor. So yeah, that's coming on November nine. So I won't be cancelling my Netflix subscription before that. <laughs> Heartbreak High had me holding on. That's right. And then I was like, Oh, now they've got the crown. I know. Let's stay in the Northern Hemisphere just for a spell longer because um, finally I think we've heard the
2: apology that everyone was waiting for. Mm. Bono has offered an apology for Apple downloading U2's 2014 album, Songs of Innocence, remember that, onto every single person's iTunes account. And he (laughs) said, and good on him, he said... The incident, which it was, because <laughs> we all woke up and all of a sudden you two was in our in our feeds. And you couldn't get it and off. And you couldn't get it off. He called it an overreach on his part in his new memoir that will be coming out shortly that he is um, doing loads of publicity for.
0: Oh, this is great press, isn't it? When Bono makes a public apology about that album, you mm. know everyone's going to be clicking that link. I know, I know. It's like, <laughs> We've been waiting more than finally. a decade.
2: Because um, I remember when it came out and people were just... Aghast, And what Bono hadn't thought about was the fact that, yes, there's plenty of U2 fans who would love it, but what about all those other fans who never asked for it? It was a gift, Miff. It was a gift. It was a gift. It was a gift that, that no one actually asked for and there was some great responses. One of them, woke up this morning to find Bono in my kitchen, drinking my coffee, wearing my dressing gown, reading my paper. or oh, And there was another one as well. The free U2 album is overpriced. Oh, ouch. That's <laughs> awful. Um, uh, <laughs> And, and he, he his reaction at the time was if just getting our music to people who like our music was the idea, that was a good idea, but if the idea was getting our music to people who might not have had a remote interest in our music, maybe there might be some pushback. And he also suggests that it was more than just a bit of an internet, you know, explosion. It was more about, it was actually more a serious discussion about big tech. And he hadn't planned for that. But he now takes full responsibility, and it was also a discussion around whether an art should be free or not. So, yeah. Good on you Bono finally taking full responsibility. I feel like it's
0: a bit of a retrospective discussion he's been having in his head, isn't it? He? Yeah. He did also say it was part of his vaunting ambition. What a great phrase. I
2: know. <laughs> Which is
0: basically just like, is my ego. I thought everyone wants a U2 album. Let's just give it to them whether they will like it or not. Oh shit. What this if, is not going well. What if we've got Bono
2: all <laughs> wrong though? Like what if he's actually a nice guy? I'm
0: sure he's lovely, but I'm sure he's also got a
2: very healthy ego I know, but and he's I'm sure been he's the... made, he's in a bubble and he's made some bad decisions in his life. Do I need to reassess though bono because i've often i've made jokes a lot of the time for many many years about bono just turning up in every documentary because bono wants to vaunting ambition but maybe he's just a nice guy who likes to contribute to discussions okay there's a fine line i don't know maybe i need to reassess do we need to reassess bono
0: just like there's a film camera and he just pops around he's like uh, do you need me? I've got some
2: thoughts. We're doing a documentary on an obscure Melbourne indie band from 1992. Bono. Hi there. Pops into the tote. G'day. G'day. I went to the tote once.
0: Oh man, it is a really strange week as always. Uh, so many things going on. Before we get to your bang on though, mm. Miff, I want to ask you because at the end of last week, when we similarly had so much to catch up on, and we had a whole bunch of different mm. things that we wanted to um, gather from the last three weeks that we were off. Yep. As I pressed
2: stop on the record, you said,
0: "Ah, oh, forgot about fuck up." <laughs>
2: I forgot to tell you about something I found out about last week. Paul Newman, the famous actor and, of course, salad entrepreneur, salad dressing entrepreneur. Great dressing. Great dressing. Great dressing. Still a good dressing. I do enjoy. <laughs> Was married to a fellow actor Joanne Woodward for many years and um, news has come out of late because there's an unauthorised biography that will be on the way that is based on. It's a transcript of some now destroyed audio tapes that Paul Newman made back in the 80s to talk about his life, completely unfiltered. He's destroyed those tapes because I guess he didn't want to play into the mythology that was Paul Newman. He seems like a, a reasonably well-rounded person. Yeah, and all those – his whole line of food products mm. uh, gives money to charity. Like, he's a, he seems like a good guy, good right? Good guy. And also – These audio tapes were the subject of the documentary that is out now apparently, um, The Last Movie Stars, which charts their relationship put together by Ethan Hawke in lockdown and he had lots of actors reading the lines from these audio tapes. But as part of these audio tapes, he discussed that he and Joanne had what was known as a fuck-up. A fuck hut. I didn't say (laughs) fuck-up. A fuck-hut. Apparently, um, and these were the words... Joanne gave birth to a sexual creature in Paul Newman. We left a trail of lust all Crazy. over the place, hotels and public parks, and Hertz renter cars. Uh, and perhaps in an effort, says this article, to contain their ravenous appetite and not get a citation for public indecency, Newman came home one day to Woodward, having designated a room in their home as a pleasure den. I call it the fuck hut. <laughs> She says proudly, it had been done with such affection and delight. Even if my kids came over, we'd go into the fuck-up no! several nights a week and just be intimate and noisy oh, and Oh, separate rival. to the kids. Yeah, okay, good. Newman wrote, I'm sure that's come up in therapy for the kiddos a few times, <laughs> says the article. Um, yes. I celebrate
0: this. This is very sex positive. It is. It's, you're in a relationship. A Long-term, when you're in a relationship, you need to keep the spark alive. Yes.
2: Build a fuck-up. Maybe Build everyone should have a fuck-up. Well, jo- he did say that. Paul Newman did come up with the term, why go out for hamburgers when I have steak at home? And now we know. We know why. Because he wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> they had a fuck heart. <laughs> I mean, good on them. I mean, marriage is hard enough. The fact that they were so into each other they had to build a room, I think is kind of inspiring, really. Yeah, Most people don't have that kind of relationship. After a couple of years, that heart would become a shed and it would start to be filled with tools and just junk. I was going to say after a couple of years, you'd need a gurney to hose it down. (laughs) Your head goes there, my head goes to the downturn of relationships and how a space would then be appropriated into the everyday Everyday use. Um, but yeah, I love that little story that there was. And I wonder who lives in the Beverly Hills mansion now. Oh yeah. That has that We should hut. do
0: some Googling on real estate and see the last time that it was sold and see if we can get some pictures of said fuck hut.
2: <laughs>
0: Build your own fuck hut
2: at home. Build your own fuck up at home. Next week on the block, fuck huts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, there is that Netflix show build your own sex room or something? Have you seen it? No, have you seen it? Oh, my it? God, it's hilarious. What is your algorithm shooting to you? No, someone told me it was really good and I watched a couple of episodes because I love a home renovation Another show. reason to not cancel Netflix. <laughs> this is great because it's got this woman who looks like, you know, this buttoned-up 60-something woman who comes around and then builds, designs a sex room oh for people who want one. So maybe they like Paul Newman, aside from, you know, uh, getting his salad tossed. <laughs> Came up with an idea that he should have trademarked because it's quite clearly a thing in America. I mean, we don't have houses that big enough. No, it's true. Yeah. But, like, do watch that one on Netflix. I've watched a couple of episodes. It's, um, it's a lot. Oh, God, I knew when you said, I forgot to tell you about the art <laughs> that it was worth following up.
0: <laughs> Real quick, Miff, we're going to see everyone at the brosser this weekend. Uh, Bang On Live coming to Grapes of Earth Festival. We're so excited to see Bang Fam who are in South Australia who are coming along. We'll be there on Sunday afternoon. That's going to be heaps of fun. Want
2: on. Amazing. So we'll see
0: you there and, of course, we'll see you here back again next week. But before we go, what are you banging on about this week?
2: I've been watching a gorgeous little production. It's on SBS. uh, Very, very short episodes, A Beginner's Guide to Grief. And this was one of their digital first experiments, uh, got signed up. It's put together by Anna Lindner, who created and stars in this six-part series, digital series. And it's all about grief and it's based on a true story. Now, I have never seen Wolf Creek, so I did not know that she was the star of Wolf Creek. Creek. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly enough, we're off to the Barossa. This one is set in Harndorf mm. and it's about the death of her mother and father who die within a week of each other and how she deals with you know, all the things that happen with grief and all the wild things that happen to people when other people express their grief to you when you're going through it. It's actually really, really gorgeous mm. and really sweet and short and nice little episodes if you haven't got a lot of time but you want to get your eyes around Something that's a real sort of exploration of, I guess, something that we all go through.
0: Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? We're all going to die. We're all going to know people who die. Yeah. Um, Preparing yourself for it, understanding what it
2: is, I think, is only a good thing. So this is all fictional series? A fictional series, but loosely based on her own life. Okay. Yeah, and so SPS On Demand? Yeah. SPS On Demand.
0: Fantastic. A Beginner's Guide to Grief. That sounds really good. It's cute. Yeah. Great. What about you? What are you banging on about? I'm banging on about a gay rom-com from Billy Eichner. Billy on the street, if you know that character um, on socials, Billy Eichner is a great comedian. He's been in TV shows as well. I think that he was, was it called Bad People or Horrible People a few years ago? It didn't really continue, but he's a very funny comedian, very sassy gay man. Mm. And Bros is what I think is one of the first ever gay rom-coms by a major studio. This is a $22 million oh, wow. Yeah. It's put together by the same people. I think Judd Apatow is one of the producers. Same people who did Bridesmaids and all of that sort of stuff. And it is such a joy. It's opening this week all over Australia. There's so many good jokes in this film. Um, I found out because I went to a screening of it about a week or so ago and Billy was out in Australia and there was a Q&A afterwards and he let the room know that the entire cast, whether they're playing uh, queer or straight people, are all LGBTQ plus every single person on screen is from the community which I thought was amazing yeah. um but despite anything about the you know the great things that this film is doing for the queer community it's just bloody hilarious yeah. like billy plays uh, a character called bobby he's never been in love he's very cynical about the whole idea of love and relationships he meets aaron who's a total beefcake um equally a very relationship shy doesn't want to commit um, and this is where the story begins. And running parallel to the story is Bobby, which is Billy's character, is launching the first ever national LGBTQ plus history museum in New York City. He's the curator. And a lot of the scenes happen around the conference table with all the other people um, involved from the community. And that's where some of the best jokes happen. Gorgeous. There's some really, really funny bits in it. Um, it's got the classic rom-com structure. Everything I love rom-com I structure. Love I know rom-com. exactly what's going to happen. I know there's going to be some trepidation. Then they're going to fall in love. Then there's going to be some drama. They're going to have you know, a big sort of confrontation. And then they'll come back together. That's it. It's just yeah. like... Tie it up in a bow and give it to me. I'll, I'll take it. it. But what makes it sing is the comedy, and this is a very funny film. So Bros opens everywhere. Billy Eichner is incredible and um, highly recommended. it. That's what I'm banging on about this week. Yeah, that sounds fun. I'll see you this Sunday for Time. Warn Time In the Barossa. Time. Yeah. Bye, babes.
1: Bye.
2: Hang on. Oh, Miff, you're still here. Yeah, haven't left. I- <laughs> Got some important business to attend to. Well, yes. I mean, we love to talk fashion ah, on Bang fashion. On every other
0: week, but have you heard that Veronica Milsom is taking it to whole new levels on a new podcast called Threads? She's actually been in the corner of the
2: room. <laughs> what? Me <Miff? laughs> in the laundry basket. <laughs> <laughs> Hi,
1: Ron. Hi, Ron. Is it weird to be just lurking in the corner the whole time I and be know. listening to all of your jokes, not laughing, and then be like, <laughs> Hello. (laughs) Not at all. That's fine. That's what our respective partners do anyway. (laughs) Just sit in the corner and not laugh at us. It's
2: fine. I've actually
1: been recording this entire thing and I'm going to use it as a final episode in my podcast. Love it. That's cool, right?
0: It's reuse.
1: I mean, you know, tell us about Threads. Oh, thank you. Yeah, about reuse, recycling. That's what this podcast is all about. No, it's an investigation into fast fashion and our obsession with clothes. As you said, the podcast is called Threads. Um, It's a six-part investigation. And um, I do things to make myself look very silly, uh, mostly (laughs) not know about how crazy we are about clothes. We buy 56 items a year on average, more than one a week. Does that ring true for you guys? Yeah, well... um I'd like to
2: think I wouldn't, but then if I added it up, it would make sense. Is it an Australian thing though? Are we particularly keen, consumers of fast fashion?
1: We're really keen consumers of fast fashion. We've got a real textile waste problem in this country, but we're also good uh, at donating it to op shops. Now, is like op shop karma good, like buy stuff and then just on, you know, donate it? Well, the you have to listen to the podcast because um, there are some problems with it. But Australians are really great at donating to op shops as well. I reckon Bang Fam would be so into this podcast. Yeah. Threads is the name of it. Where can we hear it, Ron? I mean, all good podcast places, and uh, also the ABC Listen Up. Beautiful. Veronica Milsom, Back Threads to your nest. is the podcast. <laughs> we'll we'll see. Right. I guess we'll see you in the
0: corner next week, right? Yeah. I'm just going to pull this skivvy up over my head. <laughs>
2: Love you. Great to talk to you. You too. Thanks, Ron.